Corns Straight Out of Five Scotland, you're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts Stuart Sullen and Magic Mike Christie. Yo. Hello and welcome to episode 206. Yeah. Hi. Episode 206 of the Films and Swearing Movie Podcast. It's never mind, it's November. Today we are talking about Stephen Chow's Kung Fu Hustle from 2005? Well, I have not got that number written down right in front of me. 2004, yes. Kung Fu Hustle from director Stephen Chow. I've got Stephen Chow's filmography in front of me here. Yeah. I thought we could go through it because... Again, this is another like first time director for us. His first directing credit comes from let's scroll back to the top of the page. Nineteen ninety four from Beijing with Love. Alright. That is a incompetent double seven wannabe is sent to locate a stolen dinosaur skull. And actually all these films is directed by and starring Stephen Chow. So yeah. He's always quite used to just directing himself in yeah. films. Well, he he has starred in a fuckload of movies. There is every couple of years he does direct his own with him as the lead and his regular team of actors around him. From Beijing with Love is one I have not seen, so I can't really comment on that. Uh, 1996, Forbidden City Cop. A wild, hilarious, anachoristic tale of an imperial guard from the Forbidden City who has no martial arts abilities but the talent of making futuristic machines and must save the kidnapped emperor. I did see that one and Stephen Chow is more more or less like Inspector Gadget. Mm. Like he's a fucking completely useless uh, guard but he's seems got... Seems to be um, like, like the family seems to like direct his own Madcap like, comedies. Aye. Right. Like he knew what his field was. Uh, one of my favourites... Same year, uh, The God of Cookery from 1996. I know, like, Chinese cinema is always like weird fucking titles, weird fucking out there plots, but God of Cookery, again, starring Stephen Chow, uh, the most renowned and feared chef in the world, loses his title as the God of Cookery uh, because of his pompous attitude, and when humbled, he sets out to reclaim his title. So that's it, he was like, King of the scene, then this upstart doll outstaged him. Alright. I'm, I'm sure I still have it fucking somewhere, but... Uh, King of Comedy? No. Not, the, nah, not yep. that one. Aye, the other one. <laughs> uh, 1999, a bar girl hires a struggling actor to give her acting lessons so that she can fake a greater interest for her customers. The longer they work together, the more they find out they have in common. This one has two very strange things about it. One... It's got a Jackie Chan cameo at the start. Right. There's like Stephen Chow is trying to be a stuntman. He says, why don't you just hire a fucking real stuntman? And then Jackie Chan walks on set and is like, you, you'll do. Get up there and do that stunt. And he's like, yes, boss. Walks away. That's it. Second one. There's, I think it's just because it's it's China and things are a bit different there. But there's several scenes of a kid taking, there's a running gag of like a five, six, seven year old kid taking a leak. Stephen Chow pointing and laughing at him. And they, they, they show you this kid 
taking a piss. They don't like you see this child's penis, uh, and Stephen Child is uh, laughing at him. And at one point, goes over and flicks it with his finger and laughs at him some more. Flicks Bobby flicks a kid on camera. Like going, <laughs> look at it, it's a winky. <laughs> look, that is a thing that has happened in this film. Um, he and he, aye, and he's not being spitted. Aye, no, exactly. He's not on a sex offender register. What he's he's not on an island with Kevin Spacey and Harvey Weinstein. <sighs> this this worked as comedy in nineteen ninety nine, and then two thousand one Shaolin Soccer. I've not seen it. But obviously, uh, people that have some interest in cinema are all aware of Shaolin Soccer. A young Shaolin follower reunites with his discouraged brothers to form a soccer team using their martial arts skills to their advantage. So Stephen Chow was playing like a beggar who was trying to find a way to kind of make Kung Fu popular again. But nobody gives a fuck about Kung Fu. At the start of the film, one of his attempts was a Kung Fu and karaoke. Alright. So there'll be one singing, another one doing all the moves. I think I tried to watch it. And, and they get bottled. I think I tried to watch it, and I, I think I tried to watch it after I seen Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah. And I, I just couldn't get any. Mm. Aye, I, I watched it. I got like a pirate copy when it come out, and it was on a CD. Uh-huh. So when I got the CD, then I just had to open like a movie file on it. Like I more or less is like just like a, a VCD, a video disc. And I was able to watch on there, and it was just, it was, I was going to say it was cutting edge, but that's not the right term. It was great for its time. Uh. But watching it, oh, I think it was on Netflix last year or something, and it was dubbed and that, but it's still like a thoroughly entertaining film. It's fucking daft and over the top, but it's what you're expecting for the film. Uh. And I think it's got like the soundtrack, like the score to The Lion King playing under it as well at times. Alright. Uh. Ah, yeah. Like... Seeing now. I noticed um, bits in the film today. Some bits of score sounded very similar to mm. things, but I, I never wrote it down. Right, where they've but, borrowed it from. Yeah. Yeah. I knew when I hear it, I think I just <clears throat> recognise it with Kung Fu Hustle, but I believe a lot of the score of this film is also a lot of traditional Chinese music just being uh, done again for that film. Um, because when watching like a lot of older Chinese films, I started hearing music like that's fucking music for Kung Fu Hustle, but this film's from 1970. What the fuck? <sighs> and it is. It's obviously just traditional Chinese music that famous scores, and he's obviously just wanted to have the same scores play in his yeah. film, but had them done again. So that brings us to 2004's Kung Fu Hustle. So cast two Kung Fu Hustle. Consists of... Now, yes, this will be a lot of Chinese names. Please beware. Okay. Stephen Chow as Sing. Feng Xiao Gang as uh, the Crocodile Gang boss from the opening scenes of the film. Yun Hua as the landlord. Zong Zi Hao as Donut, the baker. Chan Kwok Kwan as Brother Sam. Lam Si Chung as Bone, Sing's sidekick. Lung Siu Lung as the Beast. I'm pretty sure Lung Siu Lung was actually one of the Bruce Lee clones back in the day. Because the Su Lung is also, I think, like, like Bruce Lee was Bruce Lee Su Lung. So it's like Su Lung, I think, it was like Little Dragon. Uh-huh. So I think he got his name 
changed to <clears throat> Lung Su Lung. So it was like <laughs> another little dragon, funnily enough. Uh, Yun Kyu, or Yun Kui, is a landlady. Tin Kai Man is the Axe Gang advisor. And Lam Suet is Axe Gang Vice General. The boy that ends up in the barrel with a broken back. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, Don't move it. My back's broke. <laughs> then it starts having <laughs> <laughs> Convulsing. Mike, what is the plot to Kung Fu Hustle? Um, now, I didn't type in the plot, but then I was interested to see why MTV put it down as the plot. All right. And they are saying, hey, I want to be gangster aspires to join the notorious Arts Gang, mm-hmm. where residents say a housing complex... Are defending the turf. Alexander. Back to bed. So I guess that plot kinda kinda does sum it up. Yeah. Um Ah, you did read the full thing out, didn't you? Aye. Yeah. Okay. Mike, so I'll let you go first. Was this your first time watching Kung Fu Hustle? Nope. Nah, I actually I I should know that. Yeah, because it was you that introduced you to it. Yeah, yeah. I was very high on this film back in that was two thousand four, wasn't it? Uh, so as soon as I was able to get a copy of it, I think I'd imported uh, like a, a Hong Kong DVD. I think at that point we all had like maybe like all region players. Yeah. So as soon as I had the chance, I fucking passed it on to you, and it might either have been a thing where I'm pretty sure we watched it. Because I think sometimes I have the tendency to fast forward and to get bits for folk. Yeah. But I do remember us watching some key scenes. And all that, so that's my history. Where I've followed it after seeing Shell and Soccer. I was really high on Stephen Chow and just waited with bated breath until Kung Fu Hustle came out, watched all the trailers, imported the DVD, and, and then when it got its UK release, it was, well, international release, it was huge. Everyone... Kind of really dug it. It got like a a wide release in America. It it was at the fucking like Dunfermline Odeon. I was at the oh, cinema, and they had a po- like a A four sheet of paper up telling people, remember this film's in Chinese. It has subtitles. No refunds will be issued. So there's obviously there must have been some sort of minor controversy of like, man, I didn't expect these Chinese people to be speaking Chinese. No. Expecting some really badly dubbed fucking exactly. Like, yeah, I'm talking like city on fire, bad dubbed. Ah yes, aye, but that was it. This was it's like just the fact. I was like, man, this isn't fucking Dunfermline. And I even went to the Adam Smith Theater. How they always end up showing films about six months after they came out. They showed that in Kirkcaldy, and it was it was fucking sold out. It was a full cinema. But Aye. that's like one of those cinemas that's always really full because I guess every cunt just waits until it goes there and then they'll yeah. pile in at once. So to go see it in, in the cinema was great because we're watching it and we kind of already knew what was going to happen. So it was like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen with this knife scene, how Fokker could react, and then Fokker in fucking stitches. So it was kind of good to watch like the audience reaction to key scenes. Yeah. But Mike, what do you think of the film? This is the first time you're watching it in probably a decade, mm-hmm. I would say. And that's only maybe the third or fourth time like watching it like all the way through. Yeah. And I 
I still quite like it. I still laugh my fucking ass off at the same bits. Yeah. That I laughed at Aye. like all the years ago. Obviously, we we kind of you like high on the film, mm-hmm. and uh, there's no way you're gonna like say a bad thing about this film. And I did see that you tweeted. Uh, oh yes, the, did you like my yeah the whole Jericho list? Yes, I uh, for those unaware, I put a post on Twitter this morning, and it was a a screen cap of the famous Chris Jericho WCW a uh, promo where. He was feuding with Dean Malenko, Malenko and right. he was like the man of was it a thousand and one holds. Yeah. And Jericho says, "Well, I'm the man of a thousand and four and pulled out a big sheet of paper to read off the list. And I more or less said, "This is me reading off a list of all the things I like about Kung Fu Hustle." By any chance, was one of them armbar? <laughs> Funnily enough, doesn't happen in this film. But yes, I thought as soon as I thought. I need to put a tweet up with Kung Fu Hustle and I just had that image of Jericho with all that fucking long sheet of paper. I thought, that's the pic. I need to find that picture. And I couldn't find it because I was searching 1001 moves. It was 1004, you tits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yes. When watching it last night, I think maybe Kung Fu Hustle is probably maybe like one of my favourite films ever. Uh, you know, like if you had to say sure you will die unless you tell me a 10 films or maybe fucking five films your top five favorite films of all time that you cannot change these five films you could watch on a loop for the rest of your life and not fucking feel bad about your decision yeah. pick them now kung fu hustle would be in there uh. that is probably easily one of my most favorite films of all time like the the cast, the comedy, the score, the set design, everything, even like the over-the-top CGI, the fact that you're at times you're watching like a live-action Looney Tunes, Aye. or like I just fucking adore this film, and I'm so fucking happy just to kind of like right because I've owned this about like three or four times now, and something always fucking happens to like the copies I get. I last time I bought just a standard Blu-ray gave it a lend to I think Trevor when he was doing it on Mass Movie Side UK and I just never saw the Blu-ray again uh. and it's just like one of those things where you try and chase somebody up for something and you can I'm never going to get that back so when I had the opportunity to buy the what was it is it the Mondo Mondo aye. Uh, the Mondo Art Steelbook and it is a fucking beautiful little steelbook with the the symbol of the the broken lollipop yeah when I had the opportunity to buy that, I said, well, that, that's clearly the edition I have to own. I was like, if you fucking love the film that much, you should have the fancy little steelbook. So I'm quite happy, quite chuffed to have finally managed to buy that and then know that, right, no one's getting a bottle of it. This is mine. <laughs> but it's also the, the type of film I watch and I feel like going to my work the next day and telling every single person about it and saying, how have you not seen this film? Like, there's, I've already got, like, fuck in my head. If I ever see it in a charity shop, I'm going to buy it and just give it to folk. Because it's like, mere fuck need to care about this film. Like, certain fuck I can that would appreciate a fucking random wacky comedy and also handle the fact that it's a foreign film. I know they need to fucking see Kung Fu Hustle at some point and I may as well be their dealer. Yep. You want any smart? You want any Stephen Chow? You want some wee bits? Oh, man, I was trying to remember the, the whole... Mantra between fucking Jason Mewes and Tracy Morgan and Jane Silent Bob. 
Oh yeah. It's like I, well, I, I, I can't even say either, but it's like I don't know what the fuck you said, little man, but you touched me. I feel it. Uh, I know what you mean, but yeah, it is it's more or less. This the next hour is just gonna be me sucking this film's dick because <laughs> I just love it so much. I do. I fucking adore this film. Now, what? How did you watch the film, Michael? Did you? Because obviously. It had the options. There is an English dub on that Blu-ray. I watched the. Uh, I watched it with the subtitles. All oh, right, so you switched the back to like Cantonese. I hate bad dubbing in films. Yes, I'm kind of intrigued to like if I could watch it on two screens simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I would have uh, in subtitle, but have that, have that say muted. Yeah, and I would have it dubbed in the next one and see if. Well, that's it. If you fit around your settings, you can do that. You can get the English. Well, I know on my PlayStation, when you bring up the menu, you could adjust the subtitles and audio. So you could leave the English subtitles on and then change the audio. And then it is, it's like listening to two different stories. So while it's playing the dub, why not? Hear the actual subtitles. Aye, for the Cantonese one underneath it. And and it was, there's a part at the start where that uh, gang leader, the crocodile, the crocodile gang boss, when he's shouting at the police for arresting his wife and he's like you're not gonna do a fucking thing about it and the subtitles and then it's like you leave my wife alone it was like the english dub and like uh. and you're just wondering like do they just get the ablib i just wonder what or are they trying to say something that kind of fits their mouths yeah and sometimes it, i didn't listen to it enough and for stephen chow's character to show up because sometimes stephen chow will dub himself but then it's that type of thing where when they dub themselves, they're no brilliant at it. Mm. Because sometimes Jackie Chan's dubbed some of his older films and it just looks weird when that is his voice, but it doesn't match his lips. So, because yeah. it's just, it is one of those things where it's, it's jarring. Sometimes it works if you're watching like a bad, really old kung fu film and it's only in dub and it's like, fair enough. But, because sometimes you just, if you're wanting to work, this is, that's the thing with like subtitled movies. You have to sit on your ass and watch it, or you're not going to follow the story. Yeah. You can't even put a subtitle film on and day you're ironing. Because sure, you're getting the creases at your t-shirt, but you've just missed like two or three lines of dialogue, and like, what the fuck are they talking about? And then you're you're fucked. Yeah. So, but yes, obviously it is that thing where it is. We always try and encourage people to fucking watch it with the subtitles and the original language, because that's how it was done. That was... Yeah. So, well, we just go through the characters first because this film had a lot of characters a lot of characters yes like I think the getting a boot like this film was the fact that it manages to create that amount of like run time Mm -hmm. to actually fill it with all the like stories of the characters aye because there is I do feel there there's nothing like too like there's there's no downtime in this film there's nearly overexposure to one character or that Mm mhm like everybody gets like almost equal fucking screen time. Aye, and even to the point where the the tenants of what like this this tenement block, which they just nicknamed the pigsty, mm. the fact that there's these characters that repeatedly show up. And what's it? You have like the hairdresser who always has his arse hanging out for mm. no reason whatsoever, <laughs> and to the point where it's almost like a like a drinking game or an Easter egg where there's shots where you don't need them to be there, but he's there but with his arse hanging out. Yeah. Uh, Rabbit Tooth Jane. 
Like, this is the type of film where there's like, I will, they'll just be on the nose, like, why is she in here? And that's because she's got those big fucking teeth. And let's cry a rabbit tooth Jane because she has big fucking teeth. Like, I always love that moment where she's listening to the music and she's putting on her makeup. And uh, there's the big fucking rumble where it's, it's more or less as the gang show up and record player skips and the fucking lips that goes right up her face and it's yeah. like, it is all the characters almost look like they're really fucking animated like they've got these great visual expressions her giant fucking eyes and her fucking big teeth grin and it's just like the fucking lipstick I remember, I remember years ago when I watched it I uh, I could have fucking swore and there was like a wee a wee subtle hint of a tash above her lip <laughs> but after watching it today I can Easily say that I was probably wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, when this got released in like the United States, there was supposedly some changes to it. I remember like they edited out a lot of blood, but when watching it last night again, I feel like all the blood was intact. It's like when yeah. uh, Singh's character shows up to get like the whole deal with the hairdresser, and Bones gets his hair cut. And falls asleep, and when he goes outside after trying to extort him, and it doesn't work, and all the villagers show up. Yeah. And there's like a, he's always, he's a weasel. He's a despicable character to begin with, and he's looking for like an easy opponent. So he finds the the fucking female farmer. Uh, You'll do, right? Since you're a woman, I'll let you punch first. And you just hear her cracking his ribs, uh, and he fucking spits blood in her face. It cuts back, and her face is covered in blood. I think in like a, supposedly an international edit, there was no blood on her face, and in the same way the uh, landlord. Same with the um, opening, the opening scene as well, where the axe gang shows up and they throw the axe to the guy's foot. Oh yeah, and his leg goes flying. But like you didn't really see any blood, but it's when he um, he then starts like. Like hitting him with the axe, and the camera's panned out. Oh, and the blood. And like, you can see the pillar. Yeah. Like the pillar's like where the body is, but you can see like the blood splatter. Aye. On the like the, the ground and stuff. Yeah. So I think if it was just changes that were maybe done th- theatrically, or if it's just a US cut, but I feel like what you got in the UK one appears to be uncut. Because yeah. another telltale sign they said was when the landlord fell out of the 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 bedroom window after his wife decks him, and he hits the grounds. He lands on the plant pot. And the plant plant pot scuns him on the back of the heads. Ah. And it breaks. And then there's just a puddle of blood that comes out. I think that puddle of blood's taken out of some copies. Because maybe it's just like overkill. But that's Mm. that's part of the charm of this film. It is is so over the top. Mm. But characters like the landlord and landlady, like prior to knowing that the Kung Fu Masters, the fact that the landlord's just this sleazeball... Yeah. He goes around and he's like, oh, Jane, you're you're filling it. And he's they catch a bit where he's hanging about the toilets just looking in. <laughs> and there's a woman comes out because he's trying to explain to his wife. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm keeping an eye out so there's no peeking, like, peeking toms. And the woman comes out and gives him the finger. And it's like, hi, with any evidence, don't you bore accusing me. <laughs> and as his head turns, you just see he's got the big planted lip for, like, was it like rabbit tooth uh, Jane or something? So you can't eat this bit to get his fucking... Totties for his wife again. And the thing is, it's, it's like it's that slapstick violence. Yeah, like it's like it's like watching Tom and Jerry. Aye, that's it. And it's every shot. There's always like if someone's getting hit, there's always like a sandal or a baffy flying behind yeah. them, like where you have the the communal tap, 
mm. and the water runs out and hairdresser's sitting trying to fucking wash his balls like you see him pull down his trousers get ready start scrubbing himself with the soap and the water stops and it's he has an argument with the landlady and he's just standing there and she goes behind him and fucking scalps him in the pus and as he flies away you just see his fucking sandals come flying off as well same when um they're doing that whole like massive fucking slit, slit, oh slit, like slit. the roadrunner yeah chase sequence and when she hits the billboard you see like her sandals and her oh, bra I, and everything I, and watching it I was just watching it last night I just thought how how the fuck does her fucking bra come off because <laughs> it's like her, her curling like her uh, hair curling curling irons aye alright so those come flying out her fucking baffies come off there's just this big fuck off bra. It's like, how the hell? Did... <laughs> There's no reason for it, but it's just fucking funny. And it's like that, and then it cuts to the slow slide of her coming off the billboard. Going... Yeah. And it's like a suction cup sound of her just falling off it. Yeah. But, let's see, right, let's just. Should we just focus on our main character? Aye. Like, we, we, I mentioned earlier. Aye, when you first see him, also, so he shows up at um, the pig site. Aye. And oh, they're, 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 sorry to interrupt, but like that first, I'm positive. The first thing you see is like there's Bairns playing football. Yeah. And the ball kicks them, and there's all some sort of symbolism behind it, where he's like, "No more soccer," and he bursts the ball. Yeah. I think that was like the first teaser trailer for Kung Fu Hustle was started with that bit. Obviously, he must have been fucking sick, fed up of hearing folk talk about like Kung Fu, the uh, shell and soccer to him. So the fucking like, no more soccer, burst the ball. Is that right? That's dead, it's gone, we're moving on. But then also when he turns up, <clears throat> him and the Bone are also passing themselves off. And yes. members of the arts gang, because mm-hmm. like Bone's got the tattoos on his fucking tits. Aye. Did, did, sorry to interrupt again, but did you look at the special features menu? I did, but I'm trying In to... the background there's an animation where it is just Bone's... Uh, tits in, jiggling yeah. on a loop <laughs> yeah, and it's right. like it's like that's slightly worrying it just it was on a loop so they were just it's a big fucking axes yeah and obviously they try to get the, the haircut and I mean it's a cheap haircut yes 50 cents well I reckon what that is no, it's about, in, in like Chinese money exactly but it's the fact that right sure con a free haircut but then they're like no, come on, give us money since you've cut his hair. And Singh's trying to be the guy and say, hey, no, 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 let's not scare the boss. And the boss has fallen asleep in the chair. Uh, He's like, all right, just give, what about, just give me some drinking money. And the guy's like, no, not. Blackmail. Exactly. But there's that great line where Bones is angry, slaps his knees, and you see his tits jiggle. And there's just this one subtitle for Singh saying, careful with the axes, boss. <laughs> Um, but obviously when the black man doesn't the work he then obviously challenges anybody to fight and this is when I, I forgot about this scene mm-hmm. and, and he, he obviously picks um, the weirdest guy oh, and I, it happens to be like fucking like the tallest almost looks like the tallest man in China steps yeah. it and it's like hey what did I say about cheating exactly cause back then. what was he says like hey you're short if you're short, don't retort. <laughs> and it's like, what? So they, they just, I just love the way it's fucking written. And then he just stands up and he's like, nah, nah. 
what were you, specky four eyes? And he's like absolutely jacked. And fucking bodybuilder. He's like, all right, kids. When he picks a wee kid, uh, I just honestly, I fucking died. Uh, but it just, uh, it kind of looks a wee bit bad, like bad CGI Exactly. Almost. Alright, when it comes out, and it's just like you hear the squeaky, like a squeaky balloon muscles, like he's that fucking tight and ripped, and like, and you're like, no, no, kid, no, it's cool. And it's that point where, like, the landlady had shown up yeah. and starts giving them shit. But I just love that part of the story where he's like, right, nah, we're part of the Axe Gang, and he's got the little firecracker, <laughs> chucks it, and just by chance it fucking explodes in the boy's hat as they're walking past. <laughs> and you're just. Like that, and the music, like the like this impending doom, like dun 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 dun, dun and the dark clouds that follow uh, them as they come in, and it fucking it gets it scares the shit out of the landlady. Uh, where, she fucking bolts upstairs, hides under the bed. Uh, and the way like it's filmed, it's almost like you're watching like a like um, Donkey Kong or because uh, it's like, like she's just running up the levels. Then runs back into a room and fucking hides under the beds. And the fucking landlord like starts putting all the I, gathering all the stuff for the. I, and I'm pretty sure like he's scooping up like a big pile of dung. It was like like a horse took a shit beside him. He's like, I'm just going to just take that in as well and tuck it around my face. I'm not really here. I'm a plant. <laughs> but I love how like Singh just passes off. Say, hey brother, I'm one of yous. This woman's giving us some grief, and you just wonder what happens like when. He goes over to the hairdresser and he's got the axe in his hand. He's like, what did you say to me? And the hairdresser's like, I won't be intimidated. I won't. And then he sees the blade and he's he's bricking it. And then as he goes to fucking throw the blade, it just, the fucking camera spins around. And all these like, what's going on? And there's just a barrel in the background <laughs> rolling in circles. And you're just like, wait, what? Nibby. And it's like, it was lightning fast. And can't saw it happen. And then, as we said, he's just in there going, no, don't make, don't. My back's broken. <laughs> this this wee piggy legs. And I, I, I like the firecracker. It's almost like the Batman symbol. Uh, and the score almost like uh, is shades to the same where it's like a Danny Elfman where it goes up and it just shows the the axe symbol. And uh, that's where you get your introduction to Brother Sum and his sidekick, where it's like the guy in the grey suit with the glasses. Yeah. Only me and you's gonna get this, but the way that guy acts and talks just reminds me. Up for some reason. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, you'll not be able to watch that bit the same now, but it's just, it's just some, for some reason, his characteristics really. Aye, I, I can kill you with one punch. Exactly. I went to the Shaolin Temple, ripped two throats in Vietnam. And went, this one punch. Three hours later, this one punch. <laughs> Aye. None of that's going to be in the podcast, but. I, I reckon what brought I was telling that story to somebody the other day and just says it was <laughs> a bit like I was studied in the Shaolin Temple and said he would just never take the fucking punch he would talk about the punch but he would never take the fucking punch but I mean the sequence that because Brother Sum obviously doesn't take any shit they sees what's happened there and said right fine let's grab some villagers and we'll set them on fire and it's that great score where it's just all like it's just like classical instruments but it's just the the way it's fucking played where the woman and the child's just dragged and they just start covering them in, in like gasoline or petrol or something yeah. and you're just the music's building up to like a crescendo it's it's getting really loud and like and he's counting he's doing like the yard he sam and he's like got the lighter out 
and you're like, oh. and it's a total goosebumps moment where like the hair's up. He's like, shit, what's gonna happen? Because it gets to like about three, and then it's just this random. It's just what they cry the coolie. It's like this random labourer comes it saying, oh, it was me that done the punch, and. It's, it turns into like a sequence that almost looks like something out of the Matrix, where it's like uh. several Agent Smiths all trying to pile on the coolie, and he just starts fucking battering them, throwing them around. And at that point, it kind of reveals who the second Kung Fu master is, who, again, isn't he maybe the most politically correct depiction of a, a character, or the way he's treated in the film, but the, yeah. the tailor's a bit of a fairy. <laughs> oh, it's that bit towards the end. What, where he's crying at the stairs and the landlady's taking the piss on. Yeah. It's like, oh, they could see your red knickers. <laughs> it's like, why are you... It's like, that may as well be a nappy. It's the way he runs and all that. Ah, he's waving his wee hands. like He is over the top. Yeah. Camp. So I reckon if that is just a sign of... I mean, <clears throat> when I was watching, obviously, the when you got the reveal of the three Kung Fu Masters, I was kind of uh. comparing them to... Fucking Big Trouble, Little China. Oh, right, I like the three elements. Yeah. Yeah. Aye, I, I fucking saw the tail end of Big Trouble in Little China or the weekend there. And it was just more or less, as soon as I turned over, I was low panicking the knife to the. To the fucking head. Aye. But it was, there was the tailor, because they all kind of had their own skill, they're all from different schools. The, the coolie was obviously more of like a kicker. As as all his martial arts was with his legs, the tailor was using the the bands, the the iron rings Aye. around his arms. Yeah, another one which is using the, like the, the bow staffs. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's just like that. The music and then revealing that these people were all secret kung fu masters, and the managed the fight off the axe gang. Is... <laughs> and we'll be back in a second. Um, so another key sort of sing scene for the. The first half of the film is right. Did any reveal it right away? But he does turn out to be a, like a real despicable, like weird, like a, a, a absolute kind of a character, like a real fucking villain. Which is weird because this is like your main character. Mm. You're expecting him to be good, like a an underdog of sorts. But yeah. he is an absolute fucking dick. But he's also sort of heartless. Yeah. Like the Axe Gang, when they realise he's a fucking crack shot at uh, picking locks Yeah, they give him another chance and they say right if you could kill a man you could join the gang and he's no the, neither him or Bones have got the heart to actually kill a man but they do such petty things like stealing ice cream uh, you get to see yeah. him in the mute and it's like what's that wrong was, lady uh, yeah because that happened after he told the story about um, uh, his, being his backstory the, Oh, what is it like the master in like Buddhist? The Buddhist palm. Yeah, the yes. Buddhist palm. Thing. And it was like, it showed you as a I kid. I generally thought the bum was Jackie Chan. Eh? The bum, I think, is a Yun Chung Yan, who is the builder of Yun Wu Ping, like the guy that choreographed the Matrix right. and Kill Bill. It's either it's I don't think it is Yun Wu Ping, but it's Yun Chung Yan, who's like in in Hong Kong, he's an equally as famous brother, who is again a successful action choreographer. And done acting as well. Hmm. Whereas Yin, Yu Pe- Yin Wu Ping was never really acting, he was always mere just the choreography side. But aye. aye, that is technically is like a famous face, an ageless famous face that shows up at the end who hasn't aged today, even yeah. though it's probably 20 years later. Yeah. But aye, when he more or less cons 
the <laughs> the young sing into buying the Buddhist palm yeah. for ten dollars, and it's I always love that shot where he's like, "It could be you for ten dollars," and it just cuts the the shot of the piggy bank being chucked on the floor, yeah. grabbing <laughs> every coin. And then he's always that's when he fucking goes to like save the mute and the, for the bullies. And, and he's, it, he's already thought he's mastered it because he's he's distracted. Well, he's given the wrong impression where he's doing the palm and then he looks at the tree and there's a breeze, but he thinks he's caused the yeah. leaves to shake on a tree and he's thought, I've done it, I've cracked it, I've mastered the Buddha's palm. And it does, it cuts like right to a bunch of bullies teasing this wee lassie and he's like, stop, does the move and then you just hear the soons I'm getting fucking battered, pelted uh. for them. And the sounds in this film is fucking brilliant. Like, back to the, when the coolies fighting the folk, every hit and punch, it sounds like a, like a towel being whipped and such a sh- sharp cracking sound. So when you see the sound, all these kids fucking punch and fuck it, sing yeah. as a kid. And you're like, oh, you bastards. And, and they don't they stop start, there. They start like, passing on they, like a group, this, outside of like Japanese bukkake videos, <laughs> like... Seeing this poor cunt after being battered by a group of lorries, hey lads, let's all piss on him. Mm-hmm. And it is it's just like a rainfall of just all these different folk, like the shame kind of getting lower. Eh? And because he's looking at one of the kids that picks up and he's like, oh, 20 cents kung fu guys. He's like, oh, and he just fucking chucks it in his face. So not only has he realised, I got cons, I'm not good at martial arts, could this day get any worse? Oh wait, everyone's now pissing on me. <laughs> And just like, oh, no wonder. And he, he says the line where it's like, from that day I stopped being a good guy and I knew I had to be bad to get anywhere. He says, that, that, that is enough to turn somebody bad. You could understand why he's now just this despicable piece of shit because yeah. good guys finish last. But it was as when he, right after that, he's reintroduced to the mute where it's like, what a coincidence. She's now selling ice cream. But it's just the line where he says, "What's wrong? You never seen free ice cream?" <laughs> and they just fucking bolt and jump on like the fucking tram. Yeah. And that that leads me like to another one of the fucking parts I love in the film where it's unrelated to that part. I think it's like when they're sitting bumming smokes, like when they find like a fag on the ground, and there's a guy with glasses giving them shit, and he's like, "Oh, I'll fucking kill you!" And the guy's like, just fucking sticks the tongue out, and he's like, "Bastard!" And the next time they're on the train. Or on the, this tram, the guy's there. He's like, "Don't I know you, Four Eyes?" He's <laughs> like, "Hey, Four Eyes is not a nice thing to say." Alright, so I'm sure it's a scene where Singh's still trying to, like, right, we need to kill some cunt. He's like, Wait a second, that guy with that fucking specky Four Eyes sitting across for us. He's the guy that fucking teased us the other day. Let's fucking kill him. And it's when he tries to do like a snake style and starts moving, like going with his arms and he fucking just grabs him by the hair and starts mashing his face into the seat <laughs> <laughs> and it's just this great thing where the camera shot you see Singh's face go up to the camera and it's like a look of shock like I didn't expect <laughs> to be put in this position and he's just going and the guy's like why do you bother like bully me and he's like I like my glasses I think they suit me for the job that I do and then he's looking to like bones do something and he's like Rrah. He fucking barks. They just like, that's his intimidating thing. And then he grabs him and it's in unison mashing their faces off the wooden seats. And both of them's like going, 
it's like they're getting their heads held underwater and they just come up for a breath and both of them are just stunned they just didn't understand how they're absolute fucking shit <laughs> being like killers oh I just fucking love that bit so much and it's the sound's perfect because you just hear the sounds of their faces smacking off the wids <laughs> oh um right I'm hogging I'm hogging the mic here do you have anything about sing that for your notes you maybe want to pull up um, I mean, the scene that we are getting to about the where he goes to try and kill the landlord and all that. Yes. Like, I remember watching it when um, when I first seen it, and I think I must have died, fucking laughing. It was just the same day. Like, it's just like like I always remember him like failing with the one knife, but I forgot there were yep. two other knives. Yes, and he lets uh, bones do them. Yeah, and it's one of those things that. For him, like, could it get any worse? And it does. <laughs> and it's so it, it's like comedy gold. Yeah. And it's, like, the best bit is obviously when <laughs> Bones goes to throw the knife and he fucking stabs him. Mm-hmm. And then he throws <laughs> throws the, the handle. Skills handle. <laughs> the landlady in the face. It's like, who the fuck's throwing handles? And Bones is like, handles? What does she mean handles? And looks at the knife. Is like, is that the same knife? And Sing is in agony. <laughs> he is like on the verge of passing out with his arms up to his face, like trying to keep calm. He's like, is that the same knife? He fucking pulls it out to look. And Sing's like going, <gasps> and he's like, nah, I can't even. Shoves it back in. And it's just Stephen Child's acting is fucking superb. Like his comic timing because the first knife throw, like how it just ricochets and hits him in the shoulder. And he's like, oh, nah, okay, uh. you try. And again, it just ricochets and fucking hits some. But it's just with the fucking knife now, throw. The fact that Bones' first one doesn't even ricochet. Oh, he just throws it right into his arm. Right like, his aim is so shit. like, throws it and just turns right into his fucking arm. And it's like, oh. And he's just like, oh, this is fucking brilliant. And there's just the fucking the other one being thrown. Skips the landlady. And he panics and he's like, right. He goes to fucking grab the crate. And it's like a crate of snakes. But the fucking lid falls open and just all the fucking snakes fall and sing. And they're just having this moment. It's like, I heard if you whistle, it calms the snakes. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 no. I think you've done enough today. And he's like, Hi, what's the uh, worst that could happen? And then right enough, they fucking bite him right in the mouth. <laughs> and before the, the fucking chase sequence, I just remember the, the bit right after it where he's hiding in the wee traffic tower and he's got the the big pussy lips and goes, <laughs> <laughs> it's just the big, big ass CGI lips, but it's just the sudden they make. Where it's all, it's just like full blubber, but it does. It leads to that fucking. What that could only coyote? Aye, it is. It's <clears> literally <throat> like a a Looney Tunes Road Runner style chase sequence where their legs pick up that much speed. It's like Sonic the Hedgehog. It just turns uh, into like a blurry motion, and he knows he has to run. Like Bones must just fucking run one way, and he's the other. And you just hear the sound of the wee feet slapping. And the speed, the music is fucking brilliant, where it's just like, it almost sounds like someone out of the Adams family. I'm thinking it anyway, but it's just like the, the, where it's like the dun dun dun, and then it's just all the quick violin music. And the, you can see there's some clear references to the Matrix Reloaded. Oh, where it jumps over. Yes, and Sing goes <clears throat> under the car. Oh, yeah. And the landlady goes above it, and she's got like a hand <coughs> on her chest. Mm. I'm pretty sure that is copying what Morpheus does as he's jumping over the top of the 
the lorry uh, and he's in like the same motion but it's just this Chinese landlady where hair rollers in I can copy in Morpheus so it has like all these really obscure references to big fucking Hollywood films but it does where she goes flying Sing gets away but she hits the fucking billboards so like, I think bits like that might maybe not might I wonder if that ages well like somebody watching it for the first time now and mm. watches that and thinks that bit might be nonsense. I feel the knife roll bit is timeless. I think that, uh, like, in context, out of context, that works. But the Roadrunner chase sequence could be, like, a part for some people that would be maybe a bit hard to swallow. But I, yeah. I, to be honest, I just fucking grin like an idiot watching it. It's just, mm. I just love the fucking daft stuff. I mean, I still fucking, like, I was just saying, I write a chuckle with it, especially at the fucking, like, the the boss like broke his back but like the knife bit as well but <clears throat> there's a bit later on that that I fucking die and I think I die through the whole fucking scene and it's when um, brother Sums in the fucking car with his assistant oh. and the landlady and the landlord yeah. show up in the car aye and I just love it how it happens so quickly where they talk and then all of a sudden you just see the landlord sitting in the front seat and it cuts back and the landlady sat in between them yeah. And they're still fucking shook because I'm pretty sure she's like copying Bruce Lee in one of his Aye. films where she's done like me, you, the fist, and then just flips the nose yeah. and they're sitting, they're fucking, their adrenaline's <laughs> rushing through them, their hands are shaking, <laughs> trying to light, trying to light a fag and sets his hair on fire. And then gets a fucking head flask. Head flask. Oh, and he's just like fucking trying to put the fire in but sets the rest of his hair on fire. I love the wee run and gag of that one where brother Sum just wants to watch what's happening but his pal keeps getting in the rod and it's like, move, move, and keeps slapping him in the face. That's it, because I think around that part is when they introduce, because obviously they've, they've been made to look like idiots, so they hire assassins to fucking try and kill off the, the kung fu masters and that's where yeah, they hire the, the, the two musicians. musicians yeah. And it's just about how, I love how fucking unique it is just the fact that they're playing like this this Chinese harp where where it's laid across their legs, but the fact that it's the the like the sound waves are so sharp. Yeah. Like just like from a creative standpoint, that's a brilliant fucking way to th- to do it. And at first, when they they find the coolie and kill him off, like where he doesn't get a chance because what was their fate? Like the landlord and landlady decides. To, like they, they do like the joysticks and it comes up with a really bad fate so they said right you just have to leave the town you're like a bad omen to us now so it's just the the coolie walking on his own and the old man playing the harp and it's like the tree branches getting cut and then it's like a bit of somebody's tiling off the roof but it's just when it cuts to the cat there's just a wee cat perched on the corner of the roof and it's going to jump and as the coolie walks past, you just see the, the silhouette. Ah, the yeah. cat jump and it splits in two. <laughs> it's just it's just something that, like that. I like that. as well that like, it always reminds me, like, try to think, like, I, like, I try to remember what type of video game it is, but it's like if you build up a big enough combo, then you push like a special button. It's mm-hmm. so a massive button because that happens like with the, with the harp. Like, they play the big long note and it's like, it releases like a bigger force. Yes. Aye, because that's it. When, uh, when uh, they find the tailor and and donut the baker, 
and they start fighting them and they're doing their best to fucking deflect whatever yeah. because it then becomes like a bit of a visual medium because when they flip the harp and the sound goes across you can see the like the moonlight highlight like a blade or something like a sword uh. and it's the tailor struggling like he's kind of deflecting some of it but he's, yeah. he's getting his totties as well they break the rings on his like the, the iron rings on his arms it's like he's fucking taking bullets almost mm. but it is when they fucking do the big massive move and it's like an army of the undead it's all these fucking skeletons with swords come flying at them it is more or less both Donut and the fucking Taylor get killed and it it's when <laughs> I just remember the shot because obviously the landlord and landladies concealed their identities them two also being really fucking mighty kung fu masters but it's obviously just a burden to them and it's when she's watching them and sees that the tailor's died and the baker's donut's dying as well and it's just this look this great look on her face where she's she knows like she's gonna have to fucking do something and it's the there's a bit where donut's just like talking to him in english we're like what are you prepared to do (laughs) as he dies but I'm positive there's a line in there some of it like great power comes great responsibility. Aye. Like, I think it was like uh, the landlord says that to him was like we can't do this. Like we've lost the son to this. And it's always where that thing where they try and guess like is Singh the son of the landlord and the landlady? Because they all assume like he got killed. Aye. But it doesn't fit when you look back at it. Just like when he gets battered as a kid I'm just wondering if they think of that as the time like did he run away from home after getting battered by the bullies? Then they come out again, pissed on it. Exactly, the shame was too great. It is. It's just when the landlord and landlady decide we have to fucking fight back, and well, she more or less just has like a, a mighty set of pipes. The landlord, his power seems to be like it's almost like he's rubber, like he's uh, just this most limber, loose. It's when he goes up against uh, the two musicians, and they kind of land a punch on him. Yeah, he just the whole just bounces off him. He manages. It's almost like Tai Chi just kind of uses their energy against him. And to the point where it's like this, the weirdest CGI thing where he's been knocked away. It's like a gust of wind's carrying him. And he's just flailing like a fucking carrier bag, floating away. Lance gets up. But it's when she does the the lion's roar. Aye. Which is sort of like her big move. And fucking tears them to shreds, fucking rips the clothes off them, sends them away. Destroys the windows in Brother Sum's car. And they're to the point where it fucking scares the shit out of them. And that's where it kind of realizes, like their true potential. Because the fucking light, the lion's roar thing's really cool. Just how it's done. Just the whole CGI, just, just fucking. Ah, it's almost like a kind like a, a hurricane kind of thing. Eh? Exactly. It's through really like after that point. And I love that sequence where he does break into the the mental asylum, and he finds the corridor that the beast stays in. Mm. and it just turns in well it's an elevator at first Aye. isn't it and he gets that fucking shining it, it straight Aye. up is a scene at the shining where it all just falls of blood the door opens and it does a fucking tidal wave of blood and I love when he manages to break out uh, the beast and he's just sitting on, sitting on the pan uh. sitting on the pan and reading the newspaper and he's like wait the most deadliest assassin of all time just looks like Rab C. Nesbitt taking a shit and I love it where they, they bring him in to like prove him. Is that right? Because it's clear like he loses his way. He looks. He doesn't look at the map, and it's a complex map they give him to break out the beast. 
And it's right. just like when he falls down the stairs, and he's just running scared because he's shitting it because he's lost. He's lost in a mental asylum. So they're all kind of the impressions like, did you break the the right guy out? He doesn't look like the deadliest man alive. And it's the when you got like one cocky kid wanting to fucking smack him, hmm. and it's just it's just near effect. He's just like going harder, harder. And he fucking takes the gun off him and shoots himself. And I love how like he does it where. It's just, the gun fires, and then just time slows down, and his fingers just fucking grab the bullet. <laughs> and I love the shot where it shows you the bullet hitting the ground, and you could see the imprints of his fingers, like, obviously the strength of his two fingers was dented the casing in the shell. Well, the, the shell of the bullet. Where it's just like a wee subtle thing, but it just shows you, like, the strength behind his fingers. Yeah. And they didn't cut any corners, because right there, this is like, we need you, we need to hire you to kill the landlord and the landlady. And he's like, there's no if you find somebody good enough to kill me, there's no charge, like because the reason he's in an an insane asylum is because there is no challenge, wasn't it? Yeah. Like there's no threats. Fuck it, I'll just stay there. Like he chose to stay there because there was no challenge. But I just loved how they were already in the casino waiting for him. Aye. Because they were saying something like they picked up on their auras. They could tell, fucking so mighty was around, so they were there waiting for them. All dressed in their fucking Sunday best, playing in the fucking casino. Uh, it looks like, as well like, like the actual table they use, as well looks just like fucking cheap, like cheap wood because seem to like kick through like like wheeze. But casino tables are like kind of like reinforced sort of way, yeah. Aye, because literally does he not just kick a hole in the wall and walks out to meet them? Aye, he sits down and he's doing that thing where his hands is rest. His chin's resting on his hands. But it's when they start scrapping, they they think, well, obviously, they're highly skilled, but his main fact is his speed is incredible. So he's just quicker than the rest of them. So even when she is fucking trying to batter him, oh, I love the fucking gesture at the start of it where they deliver a funeral bell and they leave it uh, for brother some. And it's like, you cheeky bastards. You deliver a funeral bill. Like, this is my... Like, you are here to kill me, you bastards. Like, we'll see whose fucking funeral it is when you fight the beast. <sighs> and I love how they, they implement that as a weapon when they realise they're getting their toys from the beast. They're getting their heads absolutely fucking kicked in. And she just turns it into this ultrasonic... Like a megaphone. Aye, fucking lion's roar. And to the point where that really does fucking knock back the beast. And he's... Like, he's got a big fucking gash on his head, there's broken glass, and he's just like, you can't believe that, like, they've done that, and the fucking impact to the lion's roar, it's almost defeated him, and then he's like, his wee backup plan, his insurance policy is these wee blades, because it looks like a, like a pen or a, a fountain pen, and it's at that point where, because they're, they're all in like a, it's almost like a fucking UFC, they're all in different holds, they've got them like in a neck. The, the landlord's got his legs wrapped around him and she's got his legs tied up and they've both been stabbed and it's where Brother Sum looks at Sing and kind of tells him, right, you need to fucking batter them over the head whilst they're, they're distracted with the beasts. Uh, and this is like the point where he gets that fucking change of heart. Aye, uh, and he fucking snaps. Aye, uh, and just fucking decks Sing, uh, decks Brother Sum over the head uh, and properly like cracks his skull with the blood running yeah. down. And he's fucking mental screaming at him. And it's just where he decides, I guess he chooses to be a good guy. And it's, it's just where you think, oh no, 
where he smashes the fucking table leg over the beast's head and he just gets up. What, what did you... What do you you're just thinking, why? Why? And it's when he looks at the beast's hands like, wow, that's a big fist. And then just fucking punches him in the heart. And it's just like the effect where he's like, Vroom. and the CGI, you just see his fucking chest go in. And then the impact shoot out his back, fucking ripping through the clothes. And we're just like, oh, like a heart punch. And the, there's nothing more amazing where he gets him on the ground and he literally knocks the head off his shoulders pretty aye. much. Just aye, punches it. Punch it in the ground. Aye. And, and then obviously when he goes to go do it again, the fucking landlord and landlord have carried him off. Aye, it's like that great trick where it's like, where did they go? And then look back, where did he go? And I think when watching it for the first time, I just imagined they escaped like through a hole in the ground. <laughs> but it just when they're all distracted, they clearly just made a fucking beeline for the exit. Yeah. And I mean that that kind of discourages you to like the final act. Aye, when um, Singh basically shows up with his like white gear on. Yes, and like the. Uh, where, like, the, it can't be any more literal than it is, like, uh, they show you. Because part of me was thinking, ah, oh, this is where he kind of goes from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Because I think, kind of, I, I always just assume that, oh, well, this is his transformation from, like, to his final stage where he does become the fucking, like, the one. Because they, uh. they talk about it a lot in the film where there is, like, this one in a million chance where the person with the right chi and all that becomes the fucking perfect fighter and is the best martial artist in the world and all that. The, all the fucking bells and whistles. But I literally show you, because obviously, when they take him back to the fucking, uh, to the pigsty, and they get all the Chinese medicine and they start wrapping him up in bandages and they're wondering, like, sort of like, what his last wishes are, what do you want? And he just draws the lollipop. Yeah. And he's just thinking, oh, yeah, bastard. And it cuts to the shot of the mute where obviously when they they they, they steal money from her like when Singh is really severing all his ties and scares off bones and it's the way she shows him the lollipop hoping that kind of you were the guy that defended me when I was weak but just for him to fucking smash it just like I fucking hate you I really want to like you in this film but you're such a fucking dick and she's trying to rebuild the, the fucking broken lollipop and it just keeps collapsing. Oh, yeah. But I love uh, the landlord's line where he draws the lollipop in his blood. The landlord's like, why aren't you writing in Chinese? I don't understand. Uh-huh. <laughs> but he, literally, like, when they pack him through medicine, wrap him in bandages and they're all impressed, like, he's healing really quick. There's something no natural about this boy. Like, there's something special here. And you just see I, all the bandages hulking. I see there was like a wee bit of like foreshadowing as well when when Bones asked him like after the whole knife thing. Aye, exactly. Bones like, like, like fucking like... What like, hospital did you go to? Aye, and he's, he's like, like I, I can't remember. remember. Like, you look good. I look like nothing. I was like, yeah, aye, it's fine. Forget about it. And so, well, and I, I love the way he gets deep. So, well, that's it. It's like, it's something like a blessing to forget memories. And it's like, why are you so deep? <laughs> There's more to you than just being like a fat pig farmer. It does. I love the build-up where the beast shows up with the axe gang because it's pretty much seems like, what about the death of Brother Sum? He's like, you let them escape, you fucking idiot. And he punches him in the face. Oh, yeah. And his head wraps around about three times and just looks <laughs> at his fucking 
as like his right hand man and there's just his head limp on the just the fucking all oh, the skin wrapped around and it's like oh there's no recovering for that <laughs> no, that was him dead but when the beast shows up and he's got the, the axe gang which are now pretty much following him now and they're all looking for for Sing and I love that there's this great misdirection where all the axe gang are huddled around one door and you just see Sing going to leave one door but he's all dressed in his white right gown it's, it's something that makes me think of maybe the same costume that Bruce Lee wore uh, in, in one of his films if it's maybe like Fist of Fury and he opens the door and you expect the whole axe gang are around him but it's no it's just the fucking beast sitting picking his nose <laughs> there, there is always like this underlying like juvenile juvenile humour but I fucking love it so much where it's it's just so silly at times that it's perfect it doesn't even ruin the film at all but when Sing comes out and the music is full pelt like the orchestra mm. and like it is, it's like the knight in shining armour comes out and the music's all fucking high and mighty and there's this great camera shot where it just pans around him as he's doing like a 360 looking around and he is, he looks perfect, the hair and he's in these great clothes and there's the enemy and he does this fucking trick where they're all coming to get him and he just starts mashing Fox's feet mm. like rapid fire going and just stamping on everyone's foot around him and everyone's fucking screaming because they're all running out with axes. And he just stops them just perfectly and just starts stamping at all their fucking feet. I fucking love it because it's just like, it's almost like a full-framed Roger Rabbit style effect with their flat foot. And it's almost like a tire mark over it and you see their wee toes sticking out for the, <laughs> the tips of their shoes. But it's just, he is, he's become the one. And another like Matrix reference where he is, he's become one and he just fucking starts fighting Obdi with ease. Nibdi's getting a shot on him, he's perfect, he's fucking destroying Obdi. And they just start layering over fucking pinball sound effects because it's like ding, 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 and starts throwing everyone around. And it's not until like the beast reveals, I guess, what his fucking secret super kung fu is, which is a fucking toad style. Which is very jarring at first when you see him doing the big like the whole fucking toad sound effects and his fucking fucking throat swells out and he fucking launches them into like they're doing that thing where they're fucking fighting around the building and literally I love that sequence where he's just thrown up into the air he's just going up 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 and he's almost there and he sees like an eagle or something and decides to get it like just jump on it just to spring him a wee bit further up into the sky. And he gets it, and then that's where he just he's up high enough to meet the Buddha. And it's like more or less the realizes the next thing you need to do is it's either that or he gets that far. And I'm guessing the healer. There's two thoughts that gets in my head when he gets there, where he goes up there and he either achieves enlightenment, or he gets up there and it's like oh, now's the time to do the Buddha's palm. And it might be maybe the same thing, but right. when he gets up there, it's like does like the wee hand gesture, like where he prays the Buddha. And as he falls back, doing like re-entry back to Earth, he's got all that fucking momentum behind him, where he's fucking standing, catch fire, does the Buddhist palm, fucking flattens the beast. I mean, like, like the like the the fight choreography is fucking well done in the film. Like, yes, it is. It's. All but I mean, like obviously, like the film does borrow a lot of heavy elements for like the Matrix and stuff. Yes, I. I mean, it's not a bad thing. No, not, and it's still it's like two thousand five, so. The sequels were was a couple of years after the sequels, really, like two thousand three. Yeah, so, 
it's not like it, it was it was still I think it was just yeah. the way it was set all the dudes I mean, in black suits like that was kind of like your style of like fight choreography up until probably the raid and then the raid just kind of aye to fucking that extra level with aye because that's like you had like sort of on back before but that never really changed anything uh, I forgot about on back aye on back come just before I remember aye it would have you're right that would have they were in around the same time if not earlier but Aye, that the action choreography is actually really spot on. It isn't you couldn't fault it, no. and like there's there's wire work to use, but it's just to make it look so fucking smooth. And, Aye, and there's there's no really you don't come into the film looking for like realism. You're not looking for authentic martial arts. You're kind of it's a kung fu comedy, so but it just looks so good. Like the like they're gliding down, like jumping fair. The most part that looks elaborated is when it's the the baker. Where the bow stuff, where the parts where he jumps, he glides when he's Aye. fighting. Uh, well, the, the two musicians. But if you watch any sort of Chinese cinema, there's things you just kind of learn to accept. Aye. Like suspend disbelief. Cinematography and the, the it's got like kind of like a western kind of feel here for me. Aye. Oh, that's the thing you notice that like the film looks like it was shot in the height of summer because. Everyone looked like they were fucking sweating. Like, everyone had that glisten. Like, the mute had sweat running off her in every fucking scene. Yeah. But everyone looked, like, really tanned and all they had, like, that reckon, shine to them. I reckon bone suffered the worst in that film, like. Ah, he was sweating his tits off. It's the same with, like, the fucking tennis. That hairdresser, even his ass had a shine to it because he was <sighs> sweating. But Stephen Child kind of had, like, Obviously, just had like that glare, like just like light reflecting off them because they were just so fucking sweating. So they can if it was a fucking smelly film to be on, but <laughs> all they did look like it. It just looked like it was shot at the height of summer. Yeah. Right, well, the way the film ends, I do fucking love how it kind of does come out on a nice note where yeah, it's just the the mute walking along the street and she starts seeing children with with lollipops. Obviously, sing and bones have just decided to open up a fucking sweet shop. Mm-hmm. And first day you see sing, it's just like bones fucking chasing kids, saying, "Aye, right, if you lick it, you buy it." And then sing comes out, and there's like that wee sweet gesture, and they just switch it up, and it turns out they're like they're both children again. And you think, mm-hmm. "Oh man, this film's sickly sweet now." And in parts of in that sequence, you also see the landlord and landlady in the background walking into the sweet shop. And I've, that's something I've never really noticed before, but you you notice Yinwa right away. But it's just like both of them, where it's cut to the next child, like with the, the green bogeys and the lollipop. Uh, like as the camera's panning into him, you see the landlord and landlady walk behind him into the sweet shop. And there's the fucking beggar again. Uh, saying, oh, here's a Buddhist pamp fucking booklet. And the lorry's no interested. He's like, what about more? And it, it, I think back in 2005, you thought, ah, countless sequels because you just thought there are other other fucking stories to tell they're all in his hand and the kid's interested like it's got his attention it was it is it's just one of these fucking films well i will fucking cherish to the end of my days and it's one of those things where like i really want to show it to the bairns but it's probably something i'd have to put on the english dub Mm. for them just so they could kind of understand what's going on because i didn't expect them to fucking read the subtitles yeah. Rewatchability? 
I guess it was about rewatchability. Like. Aye, easily. I, I mean, I'll, I think it's like a set, a set, hour and hour and a half. Yes, and and I reckon going into it because it has been a few years since I've watched it. I just assumed it was it was like two, maybe like an hour forty nine or an hour fifty, and then to see it, it was I think it was maybe like one hour thirty nine, mm. and you're like, you know what? That's a perfect fucking running time. A Disney overstay is welcome. It's no too short. It's no too long. The amount of stuff that goes on in the film that they fit into that, like fucking, because that's a hundred minutes. Like it's perfect. So, it's one of those films that I could easily rewatch that at any time. Like if I had time tonight to watch it, I would go watch it again after recording yeah. this. Um, if you had to pick one person to steal it, who would you? It's a hard one, eh? Yeah. Because I'm, I, I. When I wrote my notes, I never stuck an answer, doing it. Because, I mean, Chow's character is always like a really dastardly character. Aye, and the sort of like, that's almost cheating using him because he his, his character pretty much transforms through this from being a yeah. despicable cunt to, to really becoming the one and saving the day. So he gets the best of it, but... I mean, I can't help it like the landlord. Aye. Because that's the landlord. and Maybe the landlady, because mm. she's just such a fucking crazy character and she takes no shit. Like, it's when the musicians are fighting outside and she's yeah. just shouting at them for the it's noise. For those of them, she's got, she's got her curlers in, she's got her fucking... Always got her fags in her mouth. Mm-hmm. And, but aye, they, them as a pair are, are probably the other people that steal this film because it's like when they're trying to have a domestic and like they're dancing in the hall and she sees lipstick on his face and then there's they're <laughs> probably they're fighting each other like he's fighting back he's trying to defend himself but um oh that fucking brilliant moment we never said was when as i said she keeps on the window and said fuck we've got to sleep stop fighting stop the music shut up and the brother sums right hand man goes outside he's like Hey, Fatso, shut your mouth! And throws an axe at her, <laughs> and she fucking catches it, <laughs> and he shits it, and the landlord just fucking grabs her, and goes, "Sorry, sorry," and shuts the fucking the blinds. But it's just the the fear fact that she fucking catches the axe. Like, nice try, little man. Like, I expected to fucking launch it back at him. Other than sing, the landlord and the landlady steal it. Mm. But is, there is so many fucking brilliant characters in this film. Yeah. Like the fact that the three Kung Fu masters are so fucking different. Uh, the fact that the assassins they hire are so different. Like, the fact that there's, there's two blind musicians and the fact that the music they make is enough to kill people. And mm. So it's all that. And just the fact that the comedy with like Sing and uh, Bones. Is, the film's got so much fucking going for it. I mean, <laughs> still laughing. I'm just thinking of if I when I picture the image of the fucking original gang boss wearing that fucking seizure. Oh, that aerial shot where he's there <laughs> and his legs are curved around. Like, oh, no, it's broken. And he's just like got white foaming at the mouth. Just, exactly. Oh, it makes me laugh. I know it's bit. so fucking well, and like that actor's huge over there. He's in hundreds of films, but it was just great for him just being it for ten minutes. Not even ten minutes, it's like five minutes screen time, but it's just that shot of the barrel rolling in the background 
And everyone's like, where did he go? Oh yeah, he's over there, crippled. Uh, so I guess it, it's time, which I imagine might have been more of a challenge for you this week, but uh, the BBT. Uh, the BBT was actually rather easy this week. Ah, okay. Right, what do you reckon the budget for this one is? I reckon, I mean, let's say 25 million. Uh, near enough, 20. Okay. 20 million. You reckon it means money back? Yes. To, now, I'm assuming they'll class domestic as... Domestic will be... I think it's classed as America. Like, since it's like box office mojo, domestic uh, would be, I guess, yeah. the American intake. Then foreign would be... Like, uh, I know what you mean. Like, domestic, you would think Hong yeah. Kong and China. Yeah, well, domestic was sitting at 17 million. Mm-hmm. Foreign market, it took an 83 Aye. I mean, you would have expected it to be... Aye, the foreign market to be huge. Because, well, that's, that's, that'll be Asia. And then, like, your, the United Kingdom. And where else it fucking showed up. Aye. But only... Because they got they um, premiered at the Toronto Film Festival. Right. Because so. one of the special features was, like, a, a an interview with Stephen Chow. And the guy starting the interview was talking about how Kung Fu Hustle is... Like the highest grossing Chinese film in decades or something like it. Mm. It broke records in Hong Kong. So I knew yeah. when you said they made its money, but it probably easily made its money back in Hong Kong. So I, so that what was was that altogether like uh, just shy of a hundred, bang on a hundred or a ah. hundred point something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. So I mean, it made it five times its money. Exactly, back. and. Nowadays that doesn't seem like a lot, but that yeah. that's this film's already it's going on like yeah, two years. That's at fifteen years old. Or yeah, so it's funny looking back. It's like man, it's ten years old already. But it was I was fucking I was just a kid in my twenties when I fucking did find out about it for the first time. So mm. so was there a lot of trivia for this? Um, there wasn't. Aye, foreign films. There wasn't a wouldn't lot. Get as much, but. Um, one of the trivia notes I did write doing was about the Shining reference. Yes. With the door. Aye. And then one of the other trivia notes was the bit where the landlord was like, like, you, me, like that. That Aye, was a Bruce Lee. To Bruce Lee, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Bill Murray praised it in an interview for GQ magazine in 2010. Right. I mean, a bit weird that... Like in 2010, Yeah, it? but Maybe just got around to seeing it. Saying that it was a masterpiece in modern comedy. Aye. And that um, because it got an American release, Aye. that um, America would have mourned, like, like home comedies. Because, right. like, something that big was, like, fucking... Aye. Like, like, making all that buzz. Exactly. And, well, that's it. I love... I always do, like, love that thing where you other actors or directors take notice to like foreign artists like like when Stephen Chow is getting credit from other folk because I think I reckon if I'm just pulling a name out but I think Quentin Tarantino might have spoke about Stephen Chow at some point but obviously with his links to like Kill Bill and that he knows about Asian cinema anyway but I think Stephen Chow when he done Kung Fu Hustle made him a hot property because I remember he was originally Chosen as a director by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg to direct the Green Hornet. All right. 
which was it was Seth Rogen and a Chinese or a Taiwanese actor called Jay Chow. Uh. And Stephen Chow had done a script and it was intended to direct. And then they were more or less... I think they never agreed on the script. Like, Seth Rogen and uh. Evan wanted something different. I think it was more or less he left because of creative differences. Yeah. But it was one of those things that I would have loved to have seen Stephen Chow's take on, like, an American comedy to see how he would have done it, but they just, they couldn't agree on it. Aye. Uh, um, would you like some one-star reviews? Aye, go on then. Aye. Um, one-star reviews on Amazon. If you want to support Films and Swearing, please go to filmsandswearing.com, click on our Amazon link, and do some shopping as normal. Uh, that's a great way to give Films and Swearing a commission on what you buy. You're not charged anything extra, but we get a wee percentage of your sale from Amazon. And I, I, I literally got another voucher this week. And I think that's the fourth one we've received this year. So I'm uh, like, we're getting more people using our Amazon link, which I'm eternally grateful for. Amazon one-star reviews. Out of the 157 reviews, there was 10 one-star I, half of them were weren't happy with the sort of DVD they got. Uh, some of them did. I've, I've just went for the silly ones this week. And there was two legitimate ones where they just thought it was absolute. It was too silly. It was yeah. just no. Nah, it was just. <laughs> was there be. any of them where they weren't happy with the dubbing? Well, our first one. Uncle, I'll try and read it dramatically. Because they've got like the, the question marks and the explanation points all over it. This person writes in three words. It's in Chinese! That was the review. It's in Chinese. Hmm. No one told me this film with Chinese people was going to be in Chinese. Chinese! No. If you were going to buy a film, right, and you've never seen the film, surely you'd be inclined to read up on the film without getting into spoilers. Aye, and you should expect this film's full of Chinese people. There's a good chance that they will be speaking Chinese. But yeah. this person cannot believe it's in Chinese. Second one. The movie was boring because it wasn't in English, so I guess I never got to enjoy it that much. Oh, fuck off. And that was typed like a text message. Because. Uh, uh, C-O-S. Uh, C-O-Z. Uh. And so I guess I never got to the number. Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoy that, missing the A from that much. There are fools. <laughs> uh, I'll give a shout out to the podcast on Via Network. In a few weeks, I will be recording a, a episode with the host Ken, and we're going to be covering Stephen Child's The Mermaids. Oh. So uh, we were trying to find a film to talk about. It's like, you know what? I've owned that Blu-ray for a year, and I've not watched it yet. Let's review that. So I've got. I have to sit down and watch this fucking movie, just to find out if it's good. So that they can win. That'll be coming out. But for people that want to know more, keep an eye on podcast on fire, mm. and you'll be able to see me and Ken talk about that at some point. Yeah. And I also thought since we're doing Kung Fu Hustle, I always promote like films where we talk about Chinese or Asian cinema on the podcast on fire network site just to get people to come across and listen to us. Yeah. So whilst these additional listeners are here, I want to mention about in January, we will be hosting a new season 
a new annual tradition called Chanuary. Yes. And I've given a guest. Exactly. Jackie Chan Chan <laughs> Jackie Chan January. It's gotta be a fucking tongue twister, but yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our listeners came up with the title January and it has stuck. So every January we're gonna be talking about Jackie Chan films. I think so far we've we're planning three podcasts yeah. with four films. Uh, so far I know me and you will be talking about police story one and two. Yeah. Uh, and just because it's so it's now easily accessible since Eureka has done the Blu-ray release this year. So it's only fair for us to review Police Story 1 and Police Story 2. Uh, the other episodes, we've not really decided anything yet. I think we're going to get Andy on board for one. Depending yeah. on scheduling, I might get Ken in on one. You've got a wee holiday planned. So you'll not be on all of them, but yeah. with me Aye. juggling hosts, that we're not missing out on any episodes. Yeah. Not all of the films are locked down yet. Because originally I did think maybe we could do 70s, 80s, 90s. But Jackie Chan's never stopped. He's he's like, I think he's pretty much a child actor for the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, the noughts, 10s. The boy does not stop. So there's a lot of fucking films to choose from. But other than that, what's next for the films and swearing movie Um, podcast? Well, we're down to our last three of the year. Pretty much, right? Three podcasts. And that is us uh, hanging it, hanging up the headphones for Christmas. Yeah. So. Death proof. Death proof. That is it. I reckon yep. why I had a mental blank there. I was thinking about our Christmas movies, but they're not decided yet. Yeah, one no. of them is, but. Yes. Next week, Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. And other than that, if you want to follow us, follow us on social media. It is at FAS Podcast for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon. Patreon is coming to an end at the end of the year, so get in on it now if you want those extended podcasts. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, insert something funny to say here. Don't go chucking knives around. Aye. Yeah. Um, oh, what I thought. You're short, don't retort. Oh, yeah. Fuck off and tune in next week.